They're on. Am I on? Red eye. That's right. All right. Good evening. Well, my name is not Pastor Richard Jolliffe. You notice that. Um, for those of you that don't know who I am, I am Sharon Jolliffe. I'm married to Dr. Richard Jolliffe. And uh, as we were getting closer to uh, the chapters that we're studying tonight, I asked him, I said, would it be okay if I taught those two chapters? And he's like, yeah, sure, you know. And not realizing that uh, I had my sister here for a month, and uh, even though she wasn't with me the whole time, you're still very aware that she's in the area, and then at times we would meet up, and then this past weekend we went to Marietta and just got back on Monday. <sighs> so I was like, yeah, okay. So I'm catching up with myself right now. But anyway, um, I've been doing a lot of reading, a lot of studying, and, and it's been really good. Have you been enjoying the book of John? It's been really good. We've been learning a lot, haven't we? And um, just, um, it's amazing because I've been a believer for years and uh, many years and uh, read through the Bible many times and read through the book of John many times. But it's amazing how that whenever you read it from a different perspective, um, the, what you can get out of it. And as I was reading over these two chapters, I'm like, I've never looked at it. In, from this from this point of view and so we're going to uh, get into some things tonight and just uh, study together amen? amen so let's pray father God I thank you that as we look into your word tonight father and as we study about the Holy Spirit tonight I thank you father that you said that the Holy Spirit would illuminate us and so, Father, tonight I'm asking that even as I speak, illumination comes. I thank you for hearing ears to hear and eyes to see. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So the last uh, couple of weeks, uh, we've been uh, in the upper room with Jesus and his disciples. He's had dinner with them. He's washed their feet. He's been talking with them. Judas has left the room and uh, going to go do what he does. And, uh, and so Jesus is still taking the opportunity to teach his disciples and to speak to them about things to come. And as I was reading the, the, the chapters tonight, especially chapter 16, I'm thinking, you know, it's really interesting because didn't he say this before? Didn't he talk about this before? Didn't we cover this before? And, but you know, it, it, his disciples were no different than you and I. How many times have you and I had to be told this and this and this? You know, I mean, men, how many times have your wives had to tell you, this is what we're doing this weekend? One time. One time. And that's whenever you get up that morning and she's getting in the car and you're saying, where are we going, right, Bob? Right. Yeah, <laughs> one time. <laughs> or, you know, how many times did we have to tell our kids, this is how you do this? You know, 150,000 times would he, we have to tell our kids that. And the same with our parents that they had to tell us. And so we are no different than the disciples, and the disciples were no different than us. I think sometimes 
we kind of put them on a pedestal and think, wow, they were with Jesus. Right. They got it. They understood it all. They, what a privilege that they had that they could be right there and see the miracles and get it. But they didn't get it. They didn't understand it. And it's just like with you and I. We can sit here in a service on Sunday morning and the pastor brings the best sermon that he's ever brought. He's studied hard that week. He's gotten into the expository. He's gotten into the dictionaries. He's gotten into the commentaries. And he's telling, telling, all this, telling us all this stuff. And he's bringing it down to our level. And we walk away and we go, What did he say? What did he just say? <laughs> Been there. Was he talking to me? You know, and then the next week he comes back and he repeats it again. And then the next week he comes back and he repeats it again. And then one Sunday we go, you know, I, and I remember doing this to him one time. I, he, had pre, he had preached on, and I can't remember what it was about. Anyway, I was reading and studying and I came down and I said, you know, I can't remember where I heard this from. But this is really good stuff here. And he, got, he said, he said, Sharon. I just taught that. Oh, right, right. That's where I got that from. That's when I started journaling and writing his little his little initials after great sayings that he would say. And so I would remember, this is where I heard this from. But at, at any rate, as we begin in John chapter 16, uh, Jesus starts to tell them of the things to come. And again, even though in previous chapters, he, he would say to them, now, this is what's going to happen. In this chapter, he really gets not so much specific, but he begins to warn them about some things that are going to happen and the fact that he's not going to be with them. So we're going to begin in John chapter 16, and I'm going to begin in verse 1. And I'm reading now the New Living Translation. He says, I have told you these things that, so that you won't abandon your faith. And in the, King, in the New King James, it says, I told you these things so that, so that you should not be made to stumble. Now we would think, why is he telling them these things? And why does he tell us these things so that we won't stumble? It's interesting that um, in one translation it says so that you won't be offended. So that you won't be offended. You know, and the scripture does tell us that there are people, and, and I know I have been, Offended by the word at time, from time to time, you know it's it's it. I'm like, what? How dare he? How, you know, how could he? How? But this, but this is my, this is my thing. What's he telling me? I can't. So I, there are times that we get offended for the word's sake. But here he's telling them, he says, I don't want you to be offended because I don't want you to stumble. So this is why I'm telling you these things. And of course, now we look ahead, we can look ahead. They couldn't look ahead at this point and see what was going to happen in the rest of the night. But as they go ahead in the rest of the night and the next day, but as they go ahead, we find out that Peter ends up denying Christ. Right? Yeah. And he tells them at one point you will be dispersed, so they end up all scattering, you know, themselves until they feel like it's safe to come back together. And so, but there are times when we hear the word and we do get offended, but, but he brings us the word so that we won't be offended, so that we can take comfort in what is happening. These things I've spoken to you, 
so that you won't be offended. Let's look at Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. In verses 32. Um, I'm going to start with verse 30. Or, yeah, verse 30. Romans chapter 9 and verse 30. What does all this mean? Even though the Gentiles were not trying to follow God's standards, they were made right with God. And it was by faith that this took place. But the people of Israel who tried so hard to get right with God by keeping the law never succeeded. Why not? Because they were trying to get right with God by keeping the law instead of by trusting him. And they stumbled over the great walk in their faith. Now let's go back to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 14. Israel and Judah, he will be a stone that makes people stumble, a rock that makes them fall. For the people of Jerusalem, he will be a trap and a snare. Um, let's look at chapter 28. Chapter 28 and verse 16. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am placing a foundation stone in Jerusalem, a firm and tested stone. It is precious. It is a precious cornerstone that is safe to build on. Whoever believes need never be shaken. So what? So here Jesus is reminding them that I don't want you to stumble here. I don't want you to fall away from what I have been telling you, what I've been teaching you. You know, and so, and of course, Jesus becomes that chief cornerstone for you and I. So those of you, you think, well, what's a cornerstone? Those of you that are, are builders or have built anything, you know that you have to start with a firm foundation, right? Yes, no, maybe yes. so. Yeah. It's okay to talk to me. It's okay. I'm, I'm not going to yelp at you. It's okay to talk to me. So Jesus becomes the chief cornerstone because in building, we have to have a cornerstone. You have to have something that you're starting with to build out from, right? Right. And if that cornerstone is not right, if that cornerstone is not level, if it's not squared, it has a crack, then whenever you start building, it's gonna, your building is gonna be crooked, things are gonna, the floor, and when you put something on the floor, it's gonna roll, right? I mean, when we did our, we did our kitchen, um, you know, they, they, they uh, tore everything out, except for the floor, I mean, they tore the carpet off the floor, but they didn't tear the flooring up. They redid all the drywall in the kitchen, um, and you know, so whenever they started to put the cabinets in, and if you're ever at our house, don't look at this, but there's, there's a gap in some places about this, this wide, because they couldn't get it 
because the, the kitchen is not squared. It's right. not, it was, it, they didn't build it that way. They just, nope. I, I don't know what they did, yeah. but, because I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not criticizing them, but I just look up there and go, yeah, somebody didn't plumb that right. right. Somebody didn't, you know, and as, as, as good as our builder was, because the foundation and the corners of the walls were not squared, I don't care how much you try to put in that corner, it's not gonna get squared. We needed to start with a squared foundation. And so Jesus is our, is our, is our square foundation. So in Matthew chapter 16, look at, let's look at Matthew chapter 16. In verse 17. So Jesus has been asking the disciples, who do people say that I am? And uh, they, some of them replied, said, well, some say, they never said, this is what I say. Until Peter speaks up and Peter says, he says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus in verse 17 says, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that, that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Now Jesus was not saying that he was going to build his church upon Peter. Jesus was saying here, it's upon this rock, the revelation, the foundation that you have of who I am, that's what I'm building my church upon. And as we go through this chapter, and then also in chapter 17, we're going to find out, as, as Pastor has talked about, and Chuck has talked about several times, that it's all about our identity. It's all about our identity. And Jesus is helping them here to make their identity sure and plain. Listen, this is who you are. And because this is who you are, it's going to keep you from stumbling. Now, of course, we know, like I said, you know, Peter ends up denying Christ. But, you know, Christ prophesied that, didn't he? Didn't he say that that would happen? You know, and of course, they all dispersed. But they never really left. They still had this longing of who Jesus was to them. So it was that upon that revelation, upon that foundation, that Jesus was helping them to understand, listen, I don't want you to be offended. Now, offended means to cause a person to begin to distrust and desert one who he ought to trust and obey, to cause to fall away, to be offended in one. Um, to see another uh, and to say uh, that you disapprove of, or, and what hinders me from acknowledging their authority. So that's what offended in this, in this reference means. So whenever we talk about that, that, you know, that Jesus is saying to them, I don't want you to be offended. Here's what I'm going to, so he starts right off, listen guys, open up your ears, open up your eyes, because here we go. Here we go. And what I'm gonna about to tell you, it's not gonna be easy. You're not going to take it well. You're going to have questions. But here we go. So let's go back to, now to John chapter 16. We've been all over the Bible so far. John chapter 16, and let's begin in verse 2. 
For I will be, for you will be expelled from the synagogues, and the time is coming when those who kill you will think they are doing a holy service for God. Now, I want you to think about who was Paul, who was Saul in the New Testament. Saul thought he was doing God a service by purging the world of these Christians who had the audacity to say that they knew who the Messiah was and had the audacity to preach in his name. So he was trying to purge, he thought he was doing God a big, a big service by doing that. How many of us have met, or how many of you thought at one time that you were doing God a big service by whatever? I know there's been times in my life I thought, you know, God, I'm going to help you out here. Let me help you. And all I did was make a big mess. Made a bigger mess, made myself look really stupid and foolish and you know, and, and on the other side of it, I had to come back and repent, repent to God, and repent to the person that I was trying, thinking I was trying to help. Right? Yeah. And in reality, God's saying, you know what? Just stay in your lane. I, I, I got this. I've got this. So he says, um, let's go on down. Um, he says, this is because they have never known the Father or me. Yes, I'm telling you these things now. So that when they happen, you will remember my warning. I didn't tell you earlier because I was going to be with you for a while longer. So it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like telling your kids, you know, you say, okay, we're going we're gonna to go to Cedar Point this summer. You tell them in January. We're going to go to Cedar Point this summer. When are we going to Cedar Point? When are we going to get there? What did, when are we going? What are we going to ride? What are we going to do? What are we going to, you know, for now for the next six months? What are they talking about? Cedar Point, Cedar Point, Cedar. How, when are we going? Cedar. So Jesus told them only what they felt, what he felt like, that when the Father felt like, that they needed to know. You're on a need-to-know basis. So here he said, I, I didn't tell you these things earlier because I was with you. I was with you. So sometimes, even with our kids, we don't tell them until the morning of, hey, by the way, guess what? We're going to. Sounds like my wife. <laughs> you didn't know that you were being treated as a child, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So then he begins to talk to them in verse 5, and we start talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. In verse 5, he says, but now I'm going away. To the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. And if I don't, go, if I do go away, then I will send him to you. I'm going to switch over to the Amplified Bible. So technology is so awesome. In verse 7, he says, in verse 7, he says, I am telling you, I am however, I am telling you nothing but the truth when I say it is profitable, good, expedient, advantageous for you that I go away. Because if I do not go away, the comforter, the counselor, the helper, the advocate, the intercessor, the strengthener, the standby, will not come to you 
into close fellowship with you, but if I go away, I will send him to you to be in close fellowship with you. And as I was just reading that, those, the definitions that he gave, the description that he gave of who Holy Spirit is, I was just thinking of in Isaiah, where, where God tells Isaiah, and he will, be, he will be a counselor. He will be a mighty God to you. He will be, he will be. And, of course, talking about the Messiah, but here Jesus says, the comforter, the counselor, the helper. So the very same description that God gives of who Jesus is to us is the same description that Jesus gives as to who the Holy Spirit is for us. That he's a comforter. Yes. He's, he's a counselor. That when we don't know what to do or how to do or where we need direction, we can go to the Father and he gives us the Holy Spirit who guides us into all things. He's a counselor to us. He's an advocate. He's an intercessor for us. He's a strengthener. He's a standby. And um, in the, um, in the uh, Greek, the Holy Spirit, that word Holy Spirit, the word comforter is the counselor. It's, it's called the parakletos, I think is how you say it. So one who comes along the side of to help you. You know, a few years ago, I had surgery on my left knee. I have to remember because it was, I, actually, I told my doctor the other day, I said, yeah, I had surgery on my right knee because when I had surgery on my left knee, my right knee had to compensate for my left knee, and then my left knee, or my right knee, became even more, it, it, I started having pain in it. So much so, I went to the doctors that I know that I've torn something back, and he says, no, nah, just arthritis. I'm like, well, we can cure that. We know, we know what cures that. So, but at the same time, at one point, I had to wait. I had to use a crutch. That crutch became my parakeet. It became the one who came along the side of to help me get to where I needed to go. Right? The Holy Spirit is the one who comes along the side of you and I, and he helps guide us. I think that I think that we don't take advantage of the Holy Spirit. And I say, and I say that word advantage, in a, not in a mean sense of the word, you know, like some people take advantage of you, but we don't use the Holy Spirit like we ought to. He was given to us for a purpose. Jesus sent him here. Jesus had to go away Okay, look at it this way. Jesus is fully God and fully man, right? If he was fully man, at one point he was going to die. Not by the cross, or, but at one point he was growing up. I mean, obviously he grew older. He grew up, right? At one point he grew up, he grew hair, he grew a beard. He, you know, so he was, it, his flesh was growing older, so at some point, being fully man, he was going to die. Which meant then, whatever he was doing in the world at that time, that would have been it. So, so places, denominations that say that when the last disciple died, that's, that was the end of the Holy Spirit working in the earth today. 
How can that be? The Holy Spirit wasn't sent just for a time and a season. He was sent here, Jesus said, I'm sending him back here to help you. To help you. And I believe that we need to start taking more advantage of and call upon Holy Spirit, help me. I don't know what to do in this. I don't know what to say in this situation. I need your direction. One time I was on my way to see one of our daughters. We were um, visiting her, and I was on my way to see her. Um, and uh, uh, she's one that yanks my chain. Any of you have any kids like that that just, I know all of your kids treat you with great respect and honor and love you. And, but this one here, she just, because we're so much alike, you know, you got one like that too that you look at and go, oh my gosh, do I see me in you? And I've told her many times, stop that. You don't want to go down that road, you know, and here she goes. She goes anyway. Stop. You know, but anyway, I was on my way to see her. and I, So I was praying in the Holy Ghost because every time we got together, it's like, and so I was praying in the Holy Ghost. And I said, Father God, I just thank you that I have the Holy Spirit and that that I have a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, a word of understanding. I have the gifts of the Spirit. I, you know, I could prophesy, I could speak in tongues. I could, and God said, stop. I just heard him say, stop, shut up. And I said, okay. He says, you, I mean, yes, those are great attributes. Those are great gifts to have. But today what you need, you need to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. So I started thinking about the fruit of the Spirit. Oh, love. I could use that today. Joy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, love, joy, peace. Oh, that would be a great one to have. Whenever Patience. That would be an awesome one to have. You know, long-suffering. Yes, God. Yes, God, I need that one today. And I realized that the fruit of the Spirit wasn't for me. The fruit of the Spirit in me wasn't for me. It was for her. Yes. You know, a tree doesn't bear fruit for the tree. Right. The tree bears fruit for those that are around it. The deer. We had, a, we had some deer enjoy some of our fruit off of our trees this year. We learned really quick. When the deer start eating it, that's the time to pick it. So, um, but you know, so the, the tree, the tree the, doesn't bear fruit for the tree. It bears fruit for those that are around it. And I'll tell you what, it was one of the best meetings that we had ever had together. And the Lord told me, he said, shut your mouth and be quiet. Listen, open up your ears. And I was like, oh, it's amazing what you can hear when you stop talking. Right? It's amazing what you can hear. All of a sudden, I was like, I never knew that. I never knew that about you. I never, I never understood that that's how you felt. You know, and so, and then I went back to the hotel and we were going to a church service that night and she called me, she says, I'm on my way. And I said, on your way where? To you. And I said, okay, we're going to church, you know. She says, yeah, I'll meet you at the church. I went, oh, okay. You know, so it really started a turnaround for us in our relationship. But it, it, nothing that I did, but it was Holy Spirit. It was Holy Spirit. 
that I was able to, that he was able to get past this, and I was able to say, okay, I'll shut up and I'll listen, you know, so hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. All right, so the comforter. You know, up until the resurrection of Christ and the coming of the Holy Spirit in the upper room, the Holy Spirit would only come upon certain people whom God chose. So even while Jesus was here on the earth with his 12 disciples and everybody that he touched, they never experienced, they experienced the power, healing, but the disciples were not filled with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit didn't come upon them. It wasn't until Jesus left and the day of Pentecost came and they were all gathered in the upper room and they were all in one accord that the Holy Spirit came down and filled them. Filled them. And they all, they all were filled with the Holy Spirit and they all began to speak in tongues. They all went out into the streets and evangelism took place. It, the church began to grow immediately. Immediately, So Jesus had to go away. I know sometimes we're like, no, don't go, stay here. But it's imperative that he goes. He needs to go. He has to go. And so he's trying to get them to understand. Um, let's look at Matthew just a little bit more on that subject. Let's look at Matthew chapter 18. In verse 20. Let's look at verse 19. Matthew 18, 19. Again, I tell you, if two of you on earth agree, harmonize together, make a symphony together about whatever, anything and everything they may ask, it will come to pass and be done for them by my Father in heaven. For wherever two or three of you are gathered, drawn together as my fellows, followers in and into my name there i am in the midst of you and i i like that that in the amplified it says i am i was reading um well we're going to talk about that later never mind getting ahead of myself so okay so now let's go on and let's talk about in john chapter let's go back to john chapter 16. And we're going to be in verse 8. i got to get going here. And he says, when he comes, so this is the work of the Holy, of Holy Spirit. When he comes, he will convict and convince the world and bring demonstration to it about sin and about righteousness, uprightness of heart and right standing with God and about judgment. And then he goes on and he explains about each one of those, about sin because they do not believe in me, trust in and rely on and adhere to me. So what Jesus is saying here to them, he says the Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to convict the world of sin. He's going to convict, convict the world of sin. You know, <clears throat> I think a lot of times, especially when we're witnessing to other people, we're um, telling other people about Christ. We're trying to get them to come into the kingdom. Um, again, I think if we would just adhere to the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit do his work, what he does best, he's the, you and I are not the ones who convict. 
I have tried that. That does not work. You and I are not the ones who convict others of their sin. And what is the sin? It's the sin of not knowing who Jesus is. Right. Well, they need to stop sleeping around. Okay, true. All right, I agree. That's, that's, not, that's not godly. Well, they need to stop drinking. Well, okay, I understand where you're coming from. But that's not the sin that they need to be convicted of. They need to be convicted of not knowing who Jesus Christ is. Because if you come to a full knowledge of who Jesus Christ is, what he's done for you, and what he's continuing to do for you, you will be transformed. You will change. All that other, listen, I was there. I was in that predicament, and I was raised in the church. I was brought up in a church that, man, I, every Sunday I heard hell, fire, brimstone. I was going to hell because of what I did throughout the week. I heard that weekend after weekend after weekend, and weekend after weekend. I mean, I pray, dear Jesus, please don't come back yet. I know you're returning to the earth because I've heard it so many times. There's a second coming, and I know that trumpet's going to sound. Please don't let it sound until I can get to church and repent of everything I've done this week. That condemnation that I heard because, you know, and again, not that it didn't need to be taught, but what I needed was I, need whole, I needed Holy Spirit to convict me. And I mean, and I had it pounded, 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 pounded in me. And, you know, and of course, then, you know, being raised in that, then what do you do? You end up living that as you get older. So you pound and pound and pound and pound that into your kids. You know, unfortunately, somewhere along the way, I kind of, we, we kind of woke up a little bit and went, you know, that's not our job. Especially whenever they get older and they get out from your household yeah. and they start living how they really want to live. Yeah. You know, they're no longer five years old that you can spank them on the butt and say, sit down there and be quiet and don't move until I tell you to. You know, telling a 40-year-old, sit down and be quiet and don't move until I tell you to, that's looks a little ridiculous. So now I now I depend on Holy Spirit. I ask Holy Spirit, you're the one who's the revealer. And this is what this is what Jesus says that he will do. When he comes, he will convict and convince the world and bring demonstration to it about sin. And then he says about righteousness. About righteousness. So he says here about righteousness Uprightness of heart in verse 10 he says about righteousness uprightness of heart and right standing with God because I go to my father and you will see me no longer and of course this was demonstrated in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost let's go to Acts chapter 2 and I want us to look at verse 14 well we'll begin I'm not going to read it but I'll just tell you about it so again the Holy Spirit has fallen upon the upon the disciples and they were up at the disciples and women, and whoever was at the 120 that were in the upper room. Um, and so they're out in, the, out in the streets, they're preaching the gospel, and Peter begins to stand up because he hears rumors that, well, these guys are drunk. This is what's going on. And so he begins to stand up and he begins to preach the gospel of Christ. He begins to preach Jesus. And he begins to not only preach, but he also begins to to um to start because he knows who they are they're the jews right so they're going to know scripture 
And so he begins to talk to them in there also about in Joel, how it says that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And, and uh, he goes on, and then in verse, um, let's look down here in verse, verse 37. Now when they had heard this, they were stung, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? So what happened here? Peter spoke the word, the Holy Spirit convicted, and then what happened? The people said, what must we do? What do we do? How do we get what you have? What happens? You know, how do we get there? Where, where, how can we get there? We want what you have. And Peter answered them. He said, repent, change your views and purpose to accept the will of God in your inner selves instead of rejecting it. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness and release from your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the, Holy, for the promise of the Holy Spirit is to you and for you and for your children and to and for all that are far away, even to those as many as the Lord our God invites and bids to come to himself. So the Holy Spirit not only convicts of sin, he brings us into righteousness. And Pastor has done such a great job in the past talking about what righteousness is, that we are in now in right standing with God. Right? We don't have to. Once we accept Christ, we but I know we do it because of lack of knowledge. But we don't have to walk around going, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm saved or not. I don't know if God loves me or not. I don't know. I don't know if I'm good enough. I, I just don't know if I'm good enough. No, you are good enough, not because of what you have done, but because of what Christ did for you on the cross. Amen? Amen. Let's look at Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3 and verse 7. <clears throat> Titus chapter 3 and verse 7. I'm going to begin in verse 5. He saved us not because of any works of righteousness that we had done, but because of his own pity and mercy by the cleansing bath of the new birth, regeneration, and renewing of the Holy Spirit, which he poured out so richly upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. And he did it in order that we might be justified by grace. Remember what justification is? Just as if I never sinned. Yeah, but I did all those things. But because of the blood of Jesus and because you accepted what he did for you, it's just as if you'd never sinned. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. If you stay in those yeah, buts, you're, you're not going to make it any further. You've got to get out of the yeah, buts and get into the fact that you are justified, not by anything that you've done, but by his grace, by his favor, wholly undeserved, that we might be acknowledged and counted as conformed to the divine will and purpose, thought, and action, and that we might become heirs of eternal life according to our hope. According to our hope. So we see here 
that Jesus is saying that the Holy Spirit is going to convict of sin. He's going to bring righteousness. And then in verse 11, and about judgment, because the ruler, the evil genius prince of this world, Satan, is judged and condemned and sentenced, al sentenced already is passed upon him. Now, understand that this, I think this is really phenomenal because Christ had not gone to the cross yet. He had not died yet, and he had not descended into hell and gotten the keys of, of Hades yet. And yet he says right here, listen, Satan's already defeated. Let me tell you when Satan was defeated. In the garden. Well, but he won because they were kicked out of the garden. No, God prophesied and said at that point, your head, her heel will bruise your head, talking to the snake, Satan. So God prophesied it in the beginning, and then throughout history, it was prophesied that he's defeated. And here, Jesus says, Satan, the prince of this world, the evil prince of this world, is judged. He's already judged. Judgment has already been passed. What does that mean? In a court of law, what does it mean when judgment has already been passed? It's final. It means that judgment has been passed, a guilty verdict has been brought down, and not only that, but here, he means that sentence has been established too. So you will serve. Judgment has been passed. So let's go on to um, verse 13, John chapter 16, take it back there, 16 and verse 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, the truth-giving spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth, the whole and full truth. For he, now again, Jesus is talking about what the work of the Holy Spirit is, okay? He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak his own message on his own authority, but he will tell whatever he hears from the Father, he will give a message that has been given to him. And he will announce and declare to you the things that are to come that will happen in the future. Now, I find it interesting here that again, and, and we're going to read this in chapter 17. But again, Jesus has told the disciples before in the past. And he's also told the, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, I only do what my father tells me to do. I only say what my father tells me to say. And here is, again, is another characteristic of Holy Spirit. He's only going to say what the father tells him to say. So if you, ever, if you ever run across somebody that begins to say, I heard the Holy Spirit tell me, and it's something way off the wall, you're like, mm, okay, you need to say to them, you need to give me chapter and verse. Well, but this is the future, so it wouldn't be in the Bible. Mm -mm. Even something that's going to happen in the future has already been Somehow, I mean, it may not be plain to you and I right now, but somehow it's in here. Yes. And we're going to talk about that. Well, I'm not because I'm not a revelation teacher, but <laughs> pastor's going to talk about that whenever he teaches about revelation. We're going to hear some of that stuff.
But, you know, so the Holy Spirit would never go beyond what's in here. Right. It will always come back and line up with what's in here. So if somebody comes along to you and says, you know, Connie, I was thinking about maybe leaving my husband for this other man. Uh, I, I heard the Holy Spirit tell me that was okay. <laughs> chapter and verse. You need to give me chapter and verse. And I would make them go find it. Of course, they're not going to come back to you because you don't agree with what they want to do. I feel like the Holy Spirit told me that I don't need to file my taxes this year and I just need to keep all the money for myself. Really? Okay. Good idea. I mean, I, I understand that. I understand the frustration. I understand, you know, your, your idea, your thought there, but what about the scripture that says to obey the laws of the land? Right. Yeah. Give to Caesar what is Caesar, and give to the Lord what belongs to the Lord. So, you know, you, you understand what I'm saying? You have to really listen clearly because the Holy Spirit is not going to say anything contrary to what God has already written into his word. Sure. He's a revelator. Yes. So I had this thought a few minutes ago. Yes. When you mentioned something about when you're witnessing. Give me a chapter and verse. No. <laughs> when you're witnessing to non-believers, you know, you need to introduce Jesus to them. Mm -hmm. uh, something that Valerie and I are experiencing the past two or three years is that we should be also witnessing and sharing with believers that the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Is within them. Yes. Yes. Amen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, I mean, and, and I, you know, again, I was raised in a denomination that um, the Holy Spirit, you know, wasn't readily shared, although the idea of sanctification was. So that's the second work of grace that they would talk about in our lives. And that, and that was the Holy Spirit within us that. He would sanctify us, set us apart. And what, what I needed more of was I needed to be sanctified more, which I agree. I agree, but they never explained to me how the Holy Spirit actually works within my life and works together with the Word and works within my life and helps me to overcome my soul, my mind, my, my will, and my emotions. But yes, we definitely need more teaching on how the Holy Spirit operates within us and how vital he is to us absolutely all right let's move on um let's move on to chapter 17 because the pastor just told me i have 18 minutes now 15 minutes yeah all right john chapter 17 here he explains in prayer, what is eternal life? So in John chapter 17, we're going to begin. Um, when Jesus had spoken these things, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, and now understand that this isn't something that he was saying within himself. Obviously, he said it out loud because they heard it because John wrote it. I mean, John was a, a mind reader. John wrote it because he heard Jesus say these things. He lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify and exalt and honor and magnify your son so that your son may glorify and extol and honor and magnify you. Just as you have granted him power and authority over all flesh, all mankind, now glorify him so that he 
may give eternal life to all to all whom you have given him and this is eternal life it means to know to perceive to recognize to become acquainted with and to understand you the only true and real god and likewise to know him jesus as the christ the anointed one the messiah whom you have sent I have glorified you down here on earth by completing the work that you gave me to do. Let me tell you, that is a great scripture for you to write out and to have in front of you to remind you to complete the work that God has given you to do. And why do you do that? Because you're glorifying God when you fulfill the purpose that he has given to you. You're glorifying God. You're not glorifying yourself. But when I complete the work that he has given to me to do, I am glorifying him. When I share with people, when I help them, when I disciple people, when I help them to understand the word of God, when I lead them down a path that, that to help them to understand what their purpose is in life, that's bringing glory to God. That's bringing, And you have a purpose. God has given you a purpose. And it's, it's imperative that you complete that purpose. Because who else is going to do that? Nobody's going to complete your purpose. Nobody's going to complete your purpose. You are, God has you here for a specific reason. And he needs you to specifically do that reason. Amen? Amen. So, he says here... In John chapter 17, verse 5, And now glorify me, now, Father, glorify me along with yourself, and restore to me such majesty and honor in your presence as I had with you before the world existed. And this was so, I never noticed this before, whenever I read this before, but let's go back to John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. John 1, 1. So here John is, God, Jesus is finishing it, finishing his course with saying to them, listen, Jesus, take me back to the glory that we had together. Okay, not just John 1, 1. Let's go back to Genesis 1. Let us make man. Who was, Jesus, who was God talking to? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. So Jesus right here, he says, Lord, bring me back to, to the honor and the majesty in your presence as I had with you before the world existed. Make us one as he is one with the Father. In John chapter 17 and verse 11, it says, And now I am no more in the world, but these are still in the world. Now, he's praying for his disciples here, okay? These are still in the world, and I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Keep in your name and the knowledge of yourself those whom you have given me, that they may be as one. Now, I want you to keep this concept in your mind. That they may be as one as you and I are one. It's not enough for you and I to be one with the Father, God, Jesus, and Holy Spirit. But it's also important that you and I are one with one another. Right. We call it one anothering. 
okay? And it talks about it over and over again. Paul talks about it over and over again that we are with one another. That without one another, we can't, I mean, we yes, we can't make it without Jesus and we can't make it without God and we can't make it without Holy Spirit. But listen, if COVID ever taught us anything, it taught us that we need each other. Amen. We need each other. We need, I, I am part, listen, I need my left knee and my right knee. I don't need just one knee. I need both knees. They were given to me for a purpose and a reason because I need both of them. I need both of my feet. Well, just as that is in my body, Paul tells us that we are the body of Christ. We need one another. Okay, in John uh, chapter 17, verse 17. Sanctify them, purify, concentrate, separate them for yourself, make them holy. By how? By the truth. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. John 18 and verse 32 says that you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. <clears throat> now, John chapter 17 and verse 23 out of the Living Bible says, I am them and you and me, all being perfected into one, so that the world will know that you sent me and will understand that you love them as much as you love me. So, as we finish out here, I wanted to do a demonstration here. Jan, if you would come up and come up here with me, please, Jan. <laughs> Miller. I just stay in my chair. No, I want you to take um, some. Of, don't take the whole thing, but just take some of it, and I want you to make it like a snake. Um, Nancy, if you would come up and take this one. John, if you'll come up and take the pink one. Sure. Can you make balls out of it? No, I want you to make a, uh, like a snake. Like a rope? Like a, yeah, like a rope. And uh, Dakota, come on up here and join us. And then um, uh, Dan, you can come up and, yeah, don't, I mean, once you get it, you don't have to keep playing with it. Don't, you don't have to take it all out, just take a pinch. So what, while they're playing there, what I'm going to do, these represent, so what they've got, they represent people, okay? They're representing people. Jesus talked about, Lord, make them one as you and I are one. This right here. You got a big one, too. Is, this one here, this white one is representing God, okay? God the Father, okay? So here we got God the Father. Get the blue one is representing the Holy Spirit. So we have the Holy Spirit. Okay? Anybody ever play with play dead before? Isn't it fun? <laughs> it's so relaxing. It really is. The Holy Spirit. I gave it up a long time ago. Play, yeah. And then we have Jesus. Jesus Christ, red because of the blood. Okay? So Jesus said, I and the Father are one. Of course, we all, parents are going, don't mix the Play-Doh. <laughs> Holy Spirit is one. 
with the Father in Jesus. Right? This is an ethnic group. I don't know what ethnic group it is. It's a people. Roses. Who? Roses. Roses? This is that's an ethnic group. <laughs> They've decided that they're gonna accept Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. They become one. Okay? One. Nancy decides, I'm going to accept Christ. I'm going to become one. Oops, we're falling apart. Oh, no. Oh, come on. Oh, we're all together. Mine will just fit. Yours will just fit. Little Jan there, she decided she's going to accept Jesus. She becomes one with the Father, the Son, and not just with the Father and the Son. Look, she's also mingling with Nancy and with Dakota. And then John here, he decides, I'm going to accept Jesus. So he becomes intermingled with the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and with the rest of us. And then Dan, Dan, <laughs> little Dan here, becomes one with the Father, the Son. Thank you, guys. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you, I double dog dare you, Dan, to take this and separate those collars back out. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen, is it? We are one with Christ, the Father, and Holy Spirit. But not only that, but you, you're stuck with me. Okay? You're stuck with me. There's nothing that you can do about that. Just like in your family. There's some people in your family you're stuck with. Oh, dang. I know. I mean, you might not talk to them for years. You might be offended at what they said or what they did. But you know what? You can't take the blood that's in them out of you. Right. And it's that way with the body of Christ. We are stuck to get, we're mingled together. And I want us to read as we close out here, as I have three minutes to read. I want us to read Ephesians chapter 1. My grandkids are going, I can't believe, Grandma, that you just mixed all that together. It's okay. I'll take that and set it on the counter, and they'll be going, Who did that? Blessed be the God 
and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame 